Man, so check this out, man. Recently, Terrell Owens was on uh, Shannon Sharp's podcast called Club Shay Shay. And they talked about his time in Philadelphia and his dislike for Donovan McNabb. And it is, it's really been... It's been more than a decade. Yeah, more than a decade since they played together. Yeah, way more than a decade since they played together. But this dude said he is rearing and ready to fight this dude. That if they, and I know he's, I know Terrell Owens is a, he's a, 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 what do you want to call it? A marketer. He, he's all about bigging himself up and so on. Scroll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes that is that is accurate <laughs> but the nigga said he is he wants to beat the brakes and the and the Campbell soup out of this nigga Donovan McNabb and I'm thinking to myself is there anybody that I have ever disliked that much that even after more than a decade that it's still on site and I couldn't think of anybody that I disliked that much. No? no I don't have anybody. <clears throat> I mean, I got some people that I would want to beat the brakes off of, but I don't have anybody that readily comes to mind. I mean, yeah, I don't. I mean, I mean I don't, yeah. I mean, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. I mean, like, over a decade is what I'm saying. Like, niggas, you haven't seen this dude since, I mean, let's yeah. say, community college. You haven't seen this nigga since whenever. I, put it, I mean, I put it this way, like, you know, in those first, you know, few years, you know, you might still be hot. But after 10 years, you probably just don't want to bother with that person. And if you see them, it's not, you know, you shouldn't feel, you know, you might, you know, you might be reminded of something, but you should not feel compelled. It shouldn't be on site. It should be like more of saying, avoidance, like, I would think. Yeah, it should be more about this, like, whatever, you know, just, you know, it's not it's not worth it at that point, you know? I mean, it, 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 I will, it'll, never be, really it'll, it'll never be worth it because you're likely to be arrested. But... Uh, <laughs> But uh, nevertheless, after a decade, I mean, yeah, you you can still not like the guy, but to to, to feel <laughs> the need for physical rage and and what's you know what's what funny is that if you become physically enraged, <laughs> but I'm saying, after a decade is hilarious to me. I mean, what's uh, what's funny is that when you see the video, you can maybe this is just his his good acting hot? at this point. He was getting hot you talking about it? You can see, you can see, you can see that he, he was getting sweating. hot talking about it. <laughs> he was sweating talking about fighting this dude. And I was well, like, well, God damn. Can, can y'all break down what the problem was? Like, what, what's the problem with you guys? L lives in Philly. He probably knows better than me because I yeah, have no like, like, what, what, what could possibly inspire such, such anonymity? Well, the year that T.O. played here, that the Eagles were a Super Bowl contender. Uh, and he got hurt and actually played in the playoffs hurt. But Donovan McNabb had gotten hurt and he didn't play. 
and they question they've always questioned donovan mcnab's toughness the whole time that he was here and i mean the whole time he was in the league actually yeah. they questioned him you know they questioned his toughness they questioned his blackness they questioned all of those things but T.O. being who T.O. was, T.O. was just coming off a of suspension. He was working out in his driveway in front of reporters. He was while, most hated. Yeah, most hated while he's talking bad about his teammates. So it turned into, and, and, and honestly, uh, most of the city was on the side of T.O. because T.O had the talent he had the swag he was willing to make that sacrifice and donovan was on the other side an exceptional athlete very well i mean it was a, a decent nfl quarterback i almost took him to a super bowl win but they still question his toughness yeah they, i mean yeah and he's never been ever since he came out of syracuse he was all he never got the kind of credit that i feel like as an athlete he deserved because he was a decent quarterback but he had these slight character flaws where he would align himself with more conservative views when it came to black athletics mm, that's true i know that there was a thing that they were saying about um how he had this perception of being a company man yeah. and that that's one of the only reasons why he got that campbell soup deal it's like they're never going to let anybody really black, black. be on yeah. the campbell's be have a campbell soup commercial so and when you think about the campbell soup commercials man uh you think about some of the people they've had they that's, didn't have that's true I, I i give you that i give you that i give you that but it's funny how that's marketing in general though right that's, that's true very true very yeah. true but i think it's interesting how how quickly friendships can dissolve or maybe it's really just based on what that friendship is built off of because if you remember yeah. before he went to philly they met in they were having sleepovers at donovan's house and shit like literally the season before they started they were sleeping over at each other's house talking about how much they love each other and this is going to be the best team up ever and so on and so forth and it didn't even really take half the season before they started throwing jabs at like subliminals at first and then it became outright after like by the end of the season and the media played i mean i don't want to be that guy but the media played a large role it's, you don't want to hold up hold up hold up really you don't think there's any real probably it? some of the sports media worst. made it up no, I think they 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 threw tons of gas on the fire. Yeah. Like Philly sports media is probably some of the worst sports media in the fucking country, dude. I mean, <laughs> responsible for Stephen A. Smith, of course. Oh, wow! Christ. Wow! Damn! Yeah, let's not mention his name again on the show. Please. Nah, I get it, but I just yeah. thought it was interesting that I don't think I've ever been that mad at something. I've I'm someone that's had to deal with a temper. And I've never, I don't think I've ever been that mad at one person that after five years, talking less, but more than a decade, that I've been ready to beat their asses on site. But I mean, yeah. you know, you, you might recall that person and be like, yeah, I remember why I don't mess with them. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's, know, that's pretty much what it was. I also remember, man, nobody has been talking about T.O. in the past couple of years. You know, he hasn't been getting a whole lot of play in the media. You know, after he got up the league, he was doing Dancing with the Stars. He was doing all these things. He was in. This is his opportunity. Football season starting up. This is his opportunity to get back into the game in, in some capacity. So he's going to say probably the most 
to your wild, outrageous shit as possible. But I don't dispute that there's a level of dislike that they Animosity both have for each other. Yeah, yeah. I, I, get, right. I, I think honestly, at this point, given the way he was talking, I wouldn't be surprised if he was angling for one of these celebrity boxing matches because niggas is walking away with like <laughs> 9, 10, 12, 15 million dollars. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Well, like I no mean, bullshit. No, I know, bro. You, you, I think. And it's, tell me, tell me why Jake Paul should be a millionaire from boxing. That dude. I mean, look at the. Why he should be alive team. from boxing? Like nobody has beat the brakes off of this dude. No, nobody has popped his own. And that's why it's, 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 no it's almost like dude. it's almost like pro wrestling watching that now, man. I, man. I have a hard time believing that this stuff is authentic. Really? I, I just, yeah. Especially oh, with the yeah. last dude that he fought, what was the brother's name? Uh, Woodley's actually a damn good fighter, but yeah, I don't know oh, what the I don't know no. what the fuck happened. I don't know what happened. I'm just saying. Clearly, he didn't play. He didn't fight the way he typically fights. Yeah. So left some questions. So I would just want to see Jake Paul get his brains busted open outside okay. of the ring. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not condoning violence towards Jake. Yeah, well, yes, I am. Yes, I am. yes, you are. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to try to clean it up, but I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Bust his brain to the white meat. Bust the white meat to the white meat. To the white meat. Through the white meat. His, stupid. his arrogance makes my yeah. ass itch. <laughs> Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. What's up? What's up? What is up? Back once again, it is the Incredible in the Black podcast. And in case you weren't aware, this is a podcast dedicated to covering the current events and social issues going on in your black world and covering it all from the perspective of three grown ass men who can show at least a little bit of grace every once in a while. I am your host, Big O, Mr. In the Black himself, but you know I can never do this alone. Let me introduce the rest of my fight team. Crush, say what's up. What's good, everybody? Hi, guys. Say what's up. How are you? How's everybody (laughs) doing out there? Hope you're well. I hope things are going well for you tonight. Wow. Wow. This is the nicest he's ever been at the start of a show. I don't want to God damn I fucking jinx the shit If you're checking this out on YouTube Make sure you hit that thumbs up button It goes a long way Hit that subscribe button as well So that you don't miss out on the next video And also share it Show, show the love man No, no yeah. doubt Do that please, please. But if you want to become part of the family, please, L, tell these folks how they can do that, man. Man, head on over to our website, www.intheblackpodcast.com. In the right-hand corner, it'll be my right, your left, but you'll get the picture. Click the Become <laughs> Family tab. At that tab, there's a, a million different things that we can get you to do. But we're really interested in you doing two, honestly. That's either A, sending us some money via Cash App. All the money that you send us via Cash App goes back into the production of building strong, independent black media, unlike Roland Martin. So then we can also feel free to join our Patreon account. On our Patreon account, man, we have a number of dope tiers there. You can find just about everything you want. There's behind the scenes stuff. There's bloopers. There's a hundred different things that you can get. And you can actually sign up for different dollar amounts. 
And just like all the rest of your subscription services, you can just sign up and just completely forget about us and we'll get the money from it. And we would greatly appreciate what you're doing. So feel free to sign up and just help us be better than what we are today. <clears throat> thank, thank you, Elgin. Uh, that was that was remarkably marketable. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. This, uh, this guy knows when to sell it. When he has to sell yeah, it. Yeah, bad, I don't know. You would. You would get a cigar for that. I appreciate that, brother. I thank you. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So this week, our black box letter is really just. Uh-oh. A, a our black box letter actually this week we'd be remiss if we didn't have an opportunity to talk about the passing of Michael K. Williams. Um, oh God! Okay. Yeah. And I thought it was the catch what? again. I was concerned that. You know. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> I've 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 filtered I've filtered that <laughs> I filtered yeah. that. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure she's not, she's, she's not reaching yeah. back. She's she's yeah, not. I, I doubt that. Not she's watching Roland Martin now instead of us. <laughs> not after your <laughs> Not after your But no, recently, um, with the with the passing of Michael Michael K. Williams, um, earlier this week his nephew uh no one had heard from him and his nephew went to go see what was going on with him and found him unresponsive and cold in his brooklyn apartment uh police investigators came on site and said based on the evidence that they have at that point it seems as though the death was drug related more specifically heroin related um Michael K. Williams has always been very, very vocal about his battle with drug abuse and what it has meant to him and to his life and how he's always been on the precipice of falling off the cart, so to speak. Um, This kind of hit home for me. And I mean, maybe it's just because I'm getting older and when you see some of these people that are within spitting distance of your age, it hits a little bit different. But finding this news out really kind of got to me. I mean, first introduced to him from as Omar from The Wire, of course, you see him as Chalky White in Boardwalk Empire. And most recently, what was he? Montrose Freeman in Lovecraft Lovecraft Country. All incredible, excellent, incredible performances. I wanted to take this opportunity not only just to talk about him, but also just to talk about the effect that addiction has on us as black men and in the black community. So what were your thoughts or what were your emotions when you first found out that uh, that he passed? I'll go first. Um, you know, I uh, I was definitely uh, you know, very surprised. I was a part of me was really surprised because it seemed like he was definitely on a run um, and he seemed like he was like taking on projects um, as bold and as daring as ever. And I I could not wait for his next move. Um, You know, we lost another giant. Um, Unfortunately, uh, allegedly the circumstances that, you know, that we are familiar with, with Mr. Williams. And, you know, I remember the stories and, you know, I, I got a lot of stories from him coincidentally through music. And his, and his and his love for music um, has always been there, 
um, especially you know when he was you know hanging out in Baltimore. When he lived in Baltimore. It was it was it was very apparent, and and uh, his, his presence in underground hip hop was crazy. Um, for the for like, I wouldn't know why friends of mine would run into him at different shows and stuff. Um, he was definitely a man of the people, and he was a he was a committed uh, thespian um, of a. Of a, of a of a of a of a of a completely different. I mean, he was definitely part of a certain class of black of black actors that came up. I mean, there's because I'm seeing, you know, the response from a certain from a certain group from a group of um, um, actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. I realized, wait a minute, you you guys, all you guys were running with him, all mm-hmm. you guys, and so I'm like, damn. I know that I, I know how it felt when my brother my brother Black Mav, you know, passed in our community here and. And for that community, it must be that loss must be so tremendous. Um, and I mean, just in general, from you know, from one brother to another, and who, who was committed to the arts and committed to um, also uh, um, being honest about um, the struggles he's, he's had with himself and struggles he's had as a black as a black man. He's been very frank about very frank about that as well. Um, that that's a voice that I, that will be sorely missed, um, you know, especially as we go into this future. You know, I, I was really, um, I heard about some wild projects that he was about to, you know, uh, uh, you know, kick off that would have been, uh, you know, legendary. You know, he, uh, he was, he was a bold artist. He had no fear, none, no fear. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I will, I was, um, I'm, I'm hurt. You know, I mean, I heard so much this year, but this is just, just, this more, this more hurt, just a reminder to, uh, Stay close to your loved ones and uh, give your flowers to, to you know to your to your great artists while they're here, you know to your yeah. great men to the, to the great men that you know you know give them their flowers now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh man, uh, this is one of those signature celebrity deaths for me that. Uh, really had me take inventory of not only my life, but uh, what my life is producing. Mm. Uh, And I mean that from the standpoint is, if you listen to this show, you've heard me speak about uh, my family's own battles with addiction. Uh, I've been incredibly open and transparent about those things. And the beautiful thing about Michael K. Williams, outside of being a lover of all things black, uh, outside of being a, an incredibly gifted artist, uh, not even just an actor, because I think actor is, diminishes his other talents and gifts. He was an artist, but he was one of the most transparent and open artists about their battles that I've ever seen. And I know we talk about his roles, you know, in Lovecraft and The Wire and Boardwalk Empire, but for me, he did a a a, a little watch docu-series on Vice mm-hmm. uh, a couple years ago. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. And for me, that was when I fell in love with him as a black man as an artist 
because as he's having conversations with different people and different struggles, he always was able to connect with them yeah. based off of his own personal struggles. He, he never shied away from that. And I think that is one of the things that is, is part of the, the, the beauty of people understanding their flaws and their weaknesses, right? Like a lot of us know our flaws internally, but most of us don't want to acknowledge and embrace and celebrate our flaws and weaknesses. Like, you know, we just don't do it. And particularly as black men, for a variety of reasons, we don't do it. But he was one of those. His death hit me harder and not to, and I, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way. His death hit me harder than Chadwick Boseman's death because I could connect with Michael K. Williams as a hood dude, as someone who battled addiction, who had roles in series and movies that I can identify with and mm-hmm. were everyday people to me. Oh, listen, Omar from the wire was an everyday dude that I can tell you four or five different Omars that I know from various parts of the city. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I can connect with him in that level. And just the way that he genuinely loved black folk. I mean, he loves black people he was never too high for looting and too you know so in love with his celebrity that it kept him i mean i, I listen it, it shook me and you know i'm going to say fuck 50 cents i'm going to say fuck all these other people who have made disparaging comments in regards to michael k williams uh battle what, 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 what did 50 cents say 50 had has had beef quote unquote with everybody but he had this behind the scenes beef with michael k williams and when michael k williams first uh death was first announced 50 came out with some disparaging things in regards to addiction and michael k williams even tiffany haddish just had some slick shit some you know trying to be comedic slick shit to say that she shouldn't say someone who battled homelessness and literally had to be picked up out of the gutter by a four foot dude in Kevin Hart. You have the audacity to want to get on social media and to make comments and jokes about. And, and I just think as black people, there are things that to me that should be off limits. So and making when, jokes. Before we, can, before we push it off, what, what do you feel should be? Off limits because I know that Lunell, comedian Lunell, said something not necessarily disparaging, but she made comments about how we need to take drug addiction safely, we need to stay away from drugs and so on. And people dug in her ass too. So I I think when it comes to death, particularly how one dies, I think that should be an off limit type of conversation. I don't think it's for time. I don't think this time. should be jokes in regards, at least for specifically for a time. Yeah. Should, when that, when after, when it's fresh, like you no. got people who are literally grieving. I'm not even talking about fans. Yeah. I'm talking about his people who have to come on social media and see celebrities who have been in similar situations yeah. come and make. I just think those types of things are off limits. I think abuse is off limits. I don't think that. I think one's mental health should also be. I think things that are typically taboo in our community that are real 
struggles internally in our community should be off limits in the public space for jokes. When we when it's just us, oh, bro, we can roast each other and blaze each other up because that's what black folks have always done as a way of navigating, you know. But when we're in front of white folks, oh, no, nah, bro, some shit you need to keep to yourself. And shut the fuck up mm-hmm. and don't say anything about. And yeah, I think it's, it's tasteful when you do those types of things. I'm very can't, surprised by that. Typical can't do, yeah. yeah, we can't do anything. We can't take any. We can't take any action that would in any way diminish or trivialize the death of a great artist, of someone we know to be a great artist. Sure. Make, you should make. You should make no. Don't even come close. And we all know somebody, right, who's yeah. battling substance abuse yeah. or alcoholism don't, or some don't, some don't addiction. Try to, don't, don't and try we to see the struggles. Don't, How do you make jokes about that? I don't. Yeah. I, I don't get that one. Don't try to turn them into a cautionary tale, like the day. Yeah, of, yeah, 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 the day yeah, the man yeah. dies. You know what I'm saying? Hold like, off. don't. I mean, well, it's not like it's a cautionary tale. We don't already know. You yeah, know what yeah. I'm saying? So reiterating we're, we're that, that, reiterating that is just is, is also patronizing. Because we yeah, all man, know, man. Man. we all know Michael K. Williams had his issues. We all yeah, know yeah. that. Well, we all, so even I, if you don't so know Michael K. That, Williams has his issues, so, you know someone like Michael K. Williams. Yeah, so we all got our issues. So, so, yeah. So would you would you talk like would you talk like that about your cousin after he died? No. You got a microphone in your face. After she died from that, yeah. no. Yeah. You want people, you want people to calm down. It's not the right time. Yeah, it's not the right time for this season. Yeah, just, hold just hold on. Just hold on. Just hold on. I think it's interesting because in 2017, the New York Times did a profile exhibit for him, and he really talked about his life. He bared it all out, and his life story is fascinating. He talked about how he got his iconic scar on his face. He's like on the eve before his 21st birthday, 25th birthday, excuse me, that he went to a club or something like that, came outside of the club, saw one of his homeboys getting jumped. And tried to step in and somebody pulled out a razor blade and got him boom slashed him from his face down to his, and got him in the neck too mm-hmm. and that it cut through his jugular and that he almost he literally almost died on the street he said the very next day his mom came to see him in uh in the hospital and told him you're not even going to make it to see 30 years old and she took out a second life insurance policy on him and he said i believe her I didn't think I was ever going to make it to see 30 years old because he had been battling drug addiction since he was like 18, 17 years old, and that he became a petty criminal to try and keep up with that drug addiction. You know what I'm saying? And how it it essentially built a monster for him. He right. said the only thing that was getting thick was his rap sheet. He wasn't even making money off it because he wasn't he wasn't even being a good hustle man. But it also shows you how you fall into things, right? Yeah. And I don't want to necessarily say how the universe works, but it's just so sometimes I am in awe of how things fall into place. He was an exceptional dancer. People knew him because he was an exceptional dancer, right? And somehow, some way, he found himself on a set for a, a music video and P. Diddy saw him and was like, you shouldn't be dancing. You have a look to be an actor. You should be an actor. And that's how we started getting into different acting gigs. And he auditioned for The Wire, which is one of his first roles. And it dude, so I forget what the gentleman's name is. He used to be a writer for the Baltimore Sun how many years ago. The guy that's the, the mind behind The Wire said he saw his face off Jump Street. He was like, yeah, that's the price, that's I believe, right? I believe so. I forget the guy. Yeah. 
<clears throat> and hell of a writer too, Price, by the way. Side note. He was in a Janet Jackson video. <clears throat> you said what? I think he was in a Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson's in Madonna yeah, also. He was, yeah, yeah. And that's that's how we got it start. That's how we got it start. I think one of the, the one of the other things that we we would be remiss not to talk about is even in the midst of a pandemic that people are still going through high drug addiction through the year of 2020. That's uh, even some, higher. Yeah, it's so some of the some of the provisional data, and this is just a, a rundown. So some of the provisional data from the CDC shows that there were 90,237 drug overdose deaths in the 12 Man. months ending in September of 2020. A leading indicator that implies a substantial increase from 2019's total of 70,630. When final figures, uh, when final figures to the most recent CDC figures, this is what they've said. They said all of them have been for all of 2020, 70% of the drug overdose deaths are opioid related, according to the recent figures from the CDC. This is according to the Washington Post and the CDC. I think opioids, bro. Remember, opioids. You think we know we know what time it is, but that and but that's also part of the 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 illegal unprescribed. But that's part of the interesting part about it, right? Because before the pandemic, we were led to believe now that drug abuse is actually or drug usage is actually a medical thing. It's no longer an issue about evil people, bad people using drugs. Because that's the way the message was portrayed to us as we were going sure, up. Were you sure, talking sure, about sure. weed? Were you talking about the crack, uh, the, the uh, war on drugs that started because of the crack epidemic? All of those things. Now, because of white people, we now have this notion that it's a serious problem, a medical problem that needs to be addressed. And then for whatever reason, in the midst of this pandemic, we've forgotten all about it. And it's fascinating like too. Over 90, that's almost a hundred thousand. I mean, there, I mean, I mean, there was an opioid epidemic building for a couple of years now. Of course, of course. Sure, you sure. know, this was the crescendo of that shit. Now, remember mm-hmm. how many times we've had a conversation about critical race theory on this show. We've had a number of conversations, and and I bring up the point specifically because the father of critical race theory, Derek Bell, had this thing called interest convergence. Interest convergence essentially is things begin for black people begin to change when it influences or affects white people. White people, yeah. So, and, and, and we see this, and this the opioid crisis is a prime as example because remember, within the black community, opioid addiction has been a problem for us since Vietnam. Yep. Yep. Okay. Since Vietnam. It's been, it's been a problem. And it didn't become a problem that other folks began to pour money and research and resources in until Tommy, Karen, and little Sue start ODing on the couch. Yep. True. Yep. And a lot. So much that they're depleting their population, remember? Yeah. <laughs> but it's been I some... I mean, dude, I'm listening. I, I just think that when it comes to addiction, we have a, a tremendous amount of work to do in the grace category and in the knowledge category. I'll give you that. And I think we've, we've had that conversation briefly on the show. Um, I will be one to say that as much as I'm trying to show grace, 
I have people in my family that have suffered from addiction and it's hard for me to come to grips with it, to bad, to, to, to wholeheartedly see it as a, as not an issue of choice. The logical part of me says, I know that this is part of their makeup now, like the, the makeup of their, 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 their cell structure at some point, right. Become so used to, so addicted it changes. to changes. That they that they it, it brings them to these brinks, and then you you reminisce about some of the things that have happened in your life, or you see certain actions from these people, and you're like, mm-hmm. like you can't come to grips with it. And I think part, and I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I I do think that it's very interesting that there are so many people that are not even willing to have that conversation. I remember. To take it back a few episodes back, we had conversations about these uh, injection sites that they have in Europe and that they're popping up on the West Coast. And I can't tell you the number of older Black people that messaged me after that episode and told me, nope, nope. I think that's the most ridiculous thing that we could do. We need to stop that. I don't want to. Helping them. Yep. And I, so I'm going to ask you this and we can close it out after that. What do you think we can do to break down that barricade that stops us from being able to have those genuine, honest and productive conversations to make this, to help, to help, I won't say to get rid of it, but to help this ease. You know what I mean? I think we just need to continue to have the conversations, right? We just really need to not allow taboo difficult subjects to prevent us from having a subject the conversations because far too often one of the reasons why we don't have the conversations is we're concerned about the blowback from the conversation we're concerned about being outcast we're concerned about being ostracized we're concerned about all these legitimate things but i think those things even in legitimacy should not keep us from having these much needed conversations but i'm also one that does not believe that there's going to be this huge tide and shift from all of a sudden nobody wanting to have the conversations to people having the conversations and why i briefly say if you have some free time one day look at the data then there's data out there talking about the number of faith-based believing people and their views on addiction. And you would be absolute, well, you probably wouldn't be, but the numbers of people within faith-based organizations who are anti-injection sites, just all these things that people who battle substance abuse need, they're against. Yeah. Because for them, it becomes an issue of prayer and what do you call it? And, uh, personal responsibility it is not yeah. anyway yeah right. i know so i didn't want to go too far down that hole because no, i, 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 I hate jesus it. as it is but no <laughs> i dig it i dig it all right uh crush why don't you go next man <clears throat> oh i mean all i could say is that i would hope that i think part of the problem is that you know, addiction itself is so intertwined. The, the stigma of addiction is intertwined with the uh, criminal element, and is that over that tends to override the psychological aspects. 
that psychological damage that that uh, that addiction does to a family structure as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so as that stigma grows, it's hard to uh, it's too intertwined for it to for people to uh, you know separate and discern you know what, what exactly needs to be addressed. And you know that that's what I you know that's at least that's what I've noticed over time. Mm-hmm. That's good. I dig it. Yeah. All right, L. Why don't you go ahead and kick it off with the uh, next topic, man? Ooh, boy. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so, uh, USA Today. Man, for the longest time, the USA Today in my youth was one of my go-to papers, uh, just because of the way. You notice there's not too many actually newspapers in print these days. But back in the day, there was. And the U.S. Today used to have this brilliant way of breaking down their news stories into color-coded sections in their paper. Yes, uh, it was it yeah. was, uh, it was was brilliant. It was amazing. Yeah, it was. So here recently, they did a – they're doing a series on policing in the U.S.A., uh, and this is particular opinion piece that was written by these ph- phenomenal black women and people of color. Uh, would you call wrote this piece at this point? I would not. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then we, I mean, we can, no, we can have that conversation, but I'm, I'm, I'm asking, go ahead. Yeah, but <laughs> no, but they dropped this wonderful opinion piece, man, that, of a conversation that is near and dear to my heart. And it's families of people killed by police violence. Reform is not the answer. Uproot the system. And I think they were really polite in their title <laughs> by uproot the system. I, you know, destroy the system, blow the system up. But I think the one thing that really stood out for me in this piece is how the families of victims of police terrorism, their desires and wants in regards to justice and what they need for the system to become, their voices often drowned out by others and their uh, well-intentioned agendas I'll, I'll say that because i don't think everybody gets into it as being intending to be nefarious uh, i think when black lives matter got started their intentions were good and slowly over time they got bitten ass by capitalism like so many other groups but without saying that i think this piece right here for me spoke volumes because oftentimes when we see the families of police terrorism in front of a microphone very rarely are they asked what they want. What do you need in this moment? Oftentimes they've been already prepped to respond to certain questions and to make certain statements specifically regarding their individual case. You know, and, and, and again, I don't, I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but it's not it doesn't happen enough for Breonna Taylor's family, the George Floyd family, to talk about the larger deficit of the criminal punishment system. They don't get a chance to actually talk about the whole system. And I think that's part of the nature of the beast, that it gets you to focus on your individual pain and not 
collective pain and struggle. Uh, but I found it really, really inspiring. I think it was typically well done. Uh, it highlighted some things that I thought should be highlighted. But one thing that I really wanted them to highlight was the intentional methods that media and others use to victimize the victimized again by bringing up their past struggles to highlight, to try to, in many instances, you know, create a justification for their death. Uh, we saw the same thing with Michael Brown. We saw the same thing with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Alton, 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 Sterling, Alton Sterling. They it, and, and, and let me tell you, and, also, and I'll be done after this, that method has been highly successful. It's been highly successful, not only on white America, but it's been highly successful amongst black folks also. Across, across, across it is it's it's insidious and it works but this piece i found was very well done and i absolutely agree with them reform is not the answer you can't reform the system and, and honestly i'll be done here if we actually look at the data we will see that the system has been reformed before we've seen countless reforms every president that has come into office has brought with them some sort of reform for the criminal justice system maybe it's about time we try something different yeah we'll see some crush yeah i found the piece very inspiring i um and uh yeah the patterns that these families tend to go through with these uh, terrible tragedies almost seem like trauma porn for the media um, you know, it almost seems like the media is afraid for the families to control the narrative themselves uh, for some reason. Or maybe the reason is obvious because the families clearly want to highlight the larger issues um, uh, behind their tragedies uh, so they don't have to happen again. Um, and maybe that's a narrative that the that the media doesn't find profitable. Um, the uh, the pe but the piece was very, was uh, was was uh, was very well done. Um, there was one area in the in the piece that I thought was a little contrasting to some to some recent criticism of the uh, because they defended the people that uh, they say come out to uh, represent them and they they, 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 they said they call them names and we they hate to see the people that, that try to help them get victimized as well and you know, I remember the recent criticisms for certain certain individuals like Sean King and Tamika Mallory. And you know, I, I was, I was, you know, I was wondering if, um, if maybe we're getting things, maybe, maybe, maybe this is where we're getting things wrong. I don't know. I'm not saying that this particular piece is defending Sean King or Tamika Mallory, but um, you know, I, I do wonder if the media is also manipulating even the people that are trying to help these families. I think L hit the hit the nail on the head when he started talking Hell, about the effect yeah. of capitalism and how that. I mean, do we have its way into the movement? Do we have a wrong by some by some of these guys? I mean, I don't think we necessarily have a wrong. I mean, I know, I know, I know what uh, the 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 mother said about Ms. Mallory. You know, she, you know, they, I mean, well, you know, Ms. Mallory's, you know, sure, sure, questionable. I, I don't but. think they necessarily have it wrong. I just think that we have to be wise and understand that the media is a tool of the state. Like the media is not an unbiased. Uh, they have their own agendas. 
that they lean towards certain things. So, of course, it makes sense for them to prop up a Sean King. It makes sense for them to prop up people who are radical in rhetoric, right? Mm. But not radical in action or organizing. So it makes sense. It's a safe bet to prop up D-Ray with his tight ass blue vest. It makes sense. Like, but you ain't want to bring you know, you don't want to bring up some of the other folks who are on the ground currently fighting. Who are who are really helping the families. Sure. Now one and of there's the an absent uh, absence of black masculinity too in those circles too. But we'll have that conversation another time. One of the questions that I have is about how they intend to move the needle when it comes to policy, because they said they openly and honestly understand that it's not just about marching. They're going to continue to march and to continue to protest, but that they know that policy becomes key to making these changes happen. But we've had this conversation before, and I know how Elle feels about these policymakers and these politicians. It becomes a two-edged sword. Like, I don't know where we get the balance from, because on one hand, you have somebody like Lucy McBath, the mother of Jordan Davis that got shot in Florida. She was a guns rights activist in Georgia. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She worked her butt off. She made some changes in Georgia and then decided that she was going to run for the United States Congress and ended up winning that seat, the 6th District of the 6th District. But now she has become, if you you take Elle's perspective, she's now become part of that system that's not pushing forward the changes that we're looking for. So, I mean, it's it's very difficult to say, okay, with all of the great intentions, how much change can we really affect and where the balance comes in? Because we can't have one without the other, in my opinion. You can't not be in the streets of March because you need to show a level of angst, right? And at the sure. same time, you can't get Absolutely. rid of the angst and just worry about policy because everything that's done on from the policy standpoint, there is it's affected by public outcry. You see what I'm saying? So there has sure. to be a balance, but where do you strike that balance? Well, I think for one, I think you agreed. You have to do both, right? You have to yeah. be at the ballot and you have to be on the block. My concern is we're not spending enough time on the block. We're spending more time at the ballots. We don't do enough a, a well enough job of political education. And when I say political education, I mean actually galvanizing our people around issues and people in our communities that we've already vetted and seen do the work to put them in position to make things happen at the ballot. Now, again, I, I, I'll make the same statement. I feel once somebody gets into the belly of the beast, you're going to ultimately have to concede to a degree to play a part of that system. I don't think it's possible for you to get into that system and to remain with that same radical nature. I, I think the Adam Clayton Powell, I mean, I mean, when's the last, I, as much as I you mean, want to say, I mean, about the brother, he I maintained, mm-hmm. but we haven't seen it. I won't say we haven't seen it since. But we don't have many who have been able to be a radical organizer around issues on the block 
to end up getting into office and to maintain that sort of radicality. I can't think of one candidate who has been able to maintain that. And I think to a large degree, you need to be able to maintain that, but you can't maintain that because of the way the beast is set up. So I think that's where the difficulty comes. And I don't know how to strike that outside of saying we need to do more organizing and more building on the block and less okay. at the okay. and, and that's and the mm. I blame this shit on you to be very honest with you. Once you start sure. going down this I'm, I'm course, once you start going down this rabbit hole, it becomes becomes difficult to ignore that even when we talk about those those folks that have boots on the ground, the block, right? That there are gatekeepers. How do you advance when you still got these gatekeepers? You can't push certain agendas to be as yeah. quote unquote radical as you I want mean, to be when you have I mean, gatekeepers. If you see D Ray yeah. as one of the hmm. gatekeepers and you need him, you need him to help put see, vo yeah, put voice see, to yeah. your agenda, and he, he believes. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you get what I'm oh, saying? Oh no, no, I'm with you, you bro. Listen, you know, I, I fight gatekeepers every motherfucking day, and them <laughs> bastards is listen. They treacherous, bro. But and, and and it's part and we and again we've seen gatekeepers all throughout history, like in every level and every capacity. When we're making progress, it's always been some black gatekeepers there to fuck some shit up. We've always seen it, and they are the ones typically who are either safe in their position amongst whiteness, seeking a position amongst whiteness. I mean, it's it's, it's insidious, but it's and it's part of the game, man. And unfortunately, it is. And how do you push them out? You got to wait for the motherfuckers to die off, unfortunately. And once they die off, guess what happens? Capitalism raised some new ones up. Yeah. You know, I, I like to think that at one point we'll be able to play chess with this game on a level that people have never heard of, you know? That's what it would take. But on the other end, I'm immediately reminded of a situation of a setup like Godfather in Harlem, where you know you have a brother, you have a brother with you have a brother with all the righteous intent in the world to change the world, but there are these things in his way that rub his conscience raw. And then he talks to his brother Bumpy, and he's like, "Fuck it, I got you. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Fuck it, I'll do it. Great shit. That's when that's when it's all business. Bang." For him, yeah. and 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 guess what? The movement goes forward. You know? And let's be honest, though, we don't <laughs> have enough of forward, us right? who are in radical organizations. I mean, think about your friends in your circle, and and begin to count how many of your friends are actually actually in a radical organization with boots on the ground fighting for change. Take that inventory, and how many of them are actually putting in the work? And you would be, you should be either, damn, I got quite a few, that's dope, or damn, what the fuck am I doing that I don't have that many, but I know all the issues, but I don't have nobody that's actually fighting for these motherfucking issues. Give me a Crush, what we got on deck next, man? Man, well. Coincidentally, um, there was a mention of uh, critical race theory tonight. And um, Texas, I just saw an article about how Texas recently <laughs> passed a controversial social studies law. 
Let me skip to another ball. Um, but the Duna, yeah. Let me see. Yeah, they canceled a uh, an elective in, in this particular district on uh, and in, in response to a social studies law passed during the years regular legislative session. Um, because the this uh, this uh, this law just implied um, critical race theory. Um, this immediate this ban immediately went across this entire district. And uh, I'm, more or less, this was a, a sign of, you know, a sign of more, of more things to come, especially in Texas. And I mean, I just want, you know, and, and granted, I know we've probably addressed this before in different in different formats, but every time it does pop up, I have to kind of, you know, stick my pen in it because, um, you know, when the, you know, when, when legislation, when, 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 when legislation itself has a knee jerk reaction to an elective, where are we? Where are we right now? Uh man. Um, Knee-jerk reaction. I never see, I never seen legislation just jump, <laughs> jump in something like this. It's crazy. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's interesting, man, because I mean, we saw the writing on the wall already for the most part when they passed this bill, House Bill 3979 from, from yeah. off Jump Street, that eat the te even teaching, well. They've even banned the teaching of MLK's letter from the Birmingham jail. They've banned so many different things that could possibly, quote unquote, fall under the broad purview of what critical race theory is, which is not. And we have to keep repeating this every single time we do this, cover something like this. The, not any legislation that you're seeing right now does not have the accurate definition or accompaniment of what critical race theory is. None we of can't it. Under, we cannot understate that enough. At all. So, but, I mean, there was questions of validity of every single one of those. Yeah, but I have a friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> what's funny is that I have every a friend of mine. Is, you got friends outside of us, too? <laughs> <laughs> How much you pay them? Because, you know, I need to raise my rates. <laughs> if that's the case. <laughs> Let me know what they bag look like. Oh, oh that was okay. Okay, I'm that was get a new, that, new that, webcam. That, so let me know, bro. Season, let's call the season. That's it. That was the one. This no, this no. Anyway, man, I got a homeboy that actually lives in McKinney, Texas, too. So when I got this article, I was like, like you, you got boots on the ground. Your son went to school there. Like, what's the deal? And he said that there are people specifically, but organizations that are really pushing hard for these types of not just the legislation, but also essentially forcing the schools to follow these laws. That's why in the article, you see that there were so many principals and other folks that seemed like they were frightened by the idea of even broaching or coming anywhere near this this topic, despite what the despite what teachers actually may say, administrators have a totally different feeling because they don't want to get the weight of these organizations or these people on their back. And he told me, he's like, there's a woman. He said, if you Google on Facebook, stand with Serena and read some of these posts and what she talks about in terms of critical race theory and how it's affecting our children and all this other stuff, you get an understanding of where the people in McKinney are some people in McKinney are pushing towards. And I thought that it was fascinating that there is like this groundswell, for lack of a better description, this grassroots movement that's trying to stop critical race theory, 
from being taught in schools to the point that it basically disrupted a whole curriculum. Social studies and civic civic awareness is something that all of us, I mean, as far as I know, I learned it when I was in fucking high school. Like all of a sudden now, because you're scared that your white kids might be offended, we're not even going to teach fucking civic civic uh civic justice learn about how how the how our system works like none of that makes any sense to me you know and it, it, I, it's hard for me to not i mean i guess because of my, my, my proximity and my experience with education itself it's hard for me to not think of the uh literal intellectual impact this this could have on students um when you're literally um as much as you might want to control the narrative you know, it's a different time when such efforts are now publicly known to your children as well as you and your kids. Not everyone's kids are going to be the same as you. You know, it's not like a time when we found out about the things that were hiding, hidden from us by word of mouth and through, you know, different and through, and through other, other means. And then we found books and bookstores and we found knowledge of our history and things like that. This is different. Like, this issue is up front. It's on the news. And, and the curious child is going to want to know, what, what are you trying to keep from me? I think the fascinating part about it is, too, is that most of these cases and things, these uproar over critical race theory is white evangelicals are leading the charge against all of this shit in every form of capacity. And every now and then you'll have some some bootlegging Negro who will hop on board and join the the fight uh, against it. But typically... And, and, and it makes sense against, right? Because for most white evangelicals, they feel like critical race theory is an affront to the gospel. So they're literally trying to put legislation in place to prevent it from ever being taught. Not that it's being taught, but they're trying to get shit on the books now to make sure it's never being taught. And Texas is notorious for their anti-blackness, right? Yeah. They, they were the, the whole fucking people that allowed the book company to rename slavery to put what indentured servitude instead of Texas is notorious. Involuntary labor or something. Yeah. Some nonsensical description of nonsense. And we know Abbott and what he's been about in regards to COVID-19 and all his different types of things, evictions. Hold on. Let's let's take a step back and talk about that because Uh Abbott has publicly said that the law, this legislation doesn't go far enough. And I'm wondering how much further can you possibly go? This the the bill Thanks is so the well. I mean it it encompasses it also encompasses talking about making any child of a one particular race or gender feel any certain type of way. So they've already started killing some of these discussions that they're having about Susan B. Anthony and Amelia Earhart and all these other things because they believe that it could cause these or the LBG two community. That that's that's correct. That's coming. Right. To, I mean, that's there too. I mean, and it's a listen again. But you see how insane is, that is because they made the bill so broad that everything, like, there's everything. there's no way that you can wangle around it that it doesn't t- quote unquote fall underneath the purview of this bill to be affected. Yeah, but it's, it's very Jim Crowish, right? That's, that's, what Jim, that's what that's what Jim Crow bills were like. The same thing. They were very ambiguous and they were broad in nature. So why? So they could apply the particular law to people that they wanted to, and they the have way they wanted control. to the way they wanted to, they want to, so they can get it. Yep, you got it. Yeah. So 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 blatant. It's so yeah. blatant. It's it's uh, it's it's. I mean, who do we? I mean, who else do we have to blame? But you know, the progenitor. 
<laughs> well, Texas has always it, been on some bullshit, man. If if this is yeah, any, yeah. if this is Not any new. solace, they said that uh, Abbott's poll numbers are falling greatly. Not necessarily because of this shit, but because of the way he's been handling COVID nineteen. So we'll see what that ends up meaning for him. Because I know that many people believe that he could possibly be someone that runs for president. I don't know anybody that's going to, and I'm not saying this disparagingly, but America is a, America's presidency is as much a beauty contest as it is about policy. I don't know anyone that's going to vote for somebody in a wheelchair. Like that's anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. Anyway, we'll, we'll, I had a wheelchair joke that I won't share. No, nope, nope. I already, <laughs> already, already messed up. I don't need you digging it deeper. Okay. So, Ooh, right, my right wife, my wife will tell you, bro. She'll tell you the joke that I said earlier. She wanted me to share, and I said, "No, I don't think don't, you're ready for that one." That's don't, not... don't don't do that. And don't but your boy's gonna run. Your boy, your boy's gonna run in 2024. He'll be back. Who, Who orange? That orange ring? Oh yeah, thing. he's gonna win. Well, oh, he's 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 already said in. Oh some yeah, he'll be back and win. Welcome back. Yeah, because you know your, your sister Harris's numbers are. <laughs> Yeah, no. But you know what's funny? All jokes aside, real talk, real talk, unless we have we have a few years before we need to start wait, start really worrying about worrying about this presidential election, right? If the election were to be held this November and Trump were to run, I think right now he'd win. Hands so now. God he would, so, yeah. So I'm hoping and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm hoping that between now and then Biden finds a way to clean himself up. Ooh. And if he does find a way to clean up, that would probably still hit. If he does find a way to clean up, Trump running for president would be the only thing that would save him to help him get reelected into office. I think Yeah, that's, I agree. that's my perception. That's my I agree. Perception. Yeah. All right, right about now is the time when we like to give you little tidbits of news or words of wisdom that you can take with yourself into the week. So, Crush, what's up? Man, just want to let everyone know that the uh, the first three episodes of season two of Wu-Tang and the American Saga is out on Hulu right now. Um, enjoying the hell out of it right now. It's definitely very, uh, very inspiring. They've, uh, you know, RZA and uh, the whole crew, you can tell they're still putting their imprints and everything. And um, some 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 moments that you've heard about in songs are already happening <laughs> in your face. It's it's, it's incredible, but uh, also also quite sad. Yeah, very good, very good. L, what's up, man? I'm looking forward to AZ's album tomorrow too. By the way, uh, oh shit! Yeah. Another, wow. Yeah, I can't wait yeah. for his album to drop. Throw or die too. So that's gonna be great. Um, just piggybacking off of the Michael K. Williams conversation, I really implore people, man, to take a moment to do your Googles on addiction, how addiction works. And in all sincerity, I know I get the reputation of being, you know, unapproachable and all that other bullshit. No. Uh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who, who said that? Who said that? Uh, who said that shit? Right. I'm a punch him. Who said that shit? I'm a all punch sense, that nigga. All y'all, all y'all sensitive asses out there. But anyway, <laughs> if, if if you legitimately have who questions, man, and you know, desiring insight and more understanding on how addictions work, feel free to send me an email. Send me a, a DM and whatever the case may be. Use whatever method. Just don't slide in my inbox on no stupid shit, though. Okay, I mean, don't. I mean, please. God, don't come like an idiot. 
Uh-oh. The internet is filled with that, my guy. Quick consensus, guys. Donda, CLB. Trash. Both of them. Both. I, but too. you know what's funny? One of one of the home, a couple of the a couple of folks trash. actually reached out and asked us to talk about that briefly. I was like, I have not, not to necessarily talk about the albums, Ooh. but to talk about the beef. And to be honest with you, I, it's it's all just nonsensical to me. Can we talk it's about Andre Three Thousand? My <laughs> guy. We talk about I Andre. Sorry. I feel sorry. I feel sorry for him, man. Yeah. Now, so, you mean, know what? You know what? Somebody what, said what, to me what, a, we, what a waste! What a waste of art! What a waste! Like, what, a waste bro. what a waste! And I and, and like I thought you were man. What are you doing that? Playing that for German reporters at random? Why are you walking down the street? What the hell's wrong with you? So my what somebody said to me was that you know Andre hasn't been in the spotlight for a minute, and that him making that statement after that uh that track got released was him essentially letting folks that need to know know he's ready to start making moves again in the industry because you know he hasn't really been in the spotlight for a minute but for me i'm like he's hundred three thousand like he's under, i mean yeah that's what I mean, i'm saying he just, i don't think he needed to come out with any statement to to no, get those people but, i mean i mean the fact is the man's been been recording stuff for years he just doesn't care. Yeah, he's been in the studio. He's, I mean, organized noise. He's been doing stuff with them for a, a long, like for a while. Question: so. Top five, dead or alive? Is he in your top five? Yes. Crush. But you know what? I, I will. I will. I will. I will Crush. Say this. Answer the question: Is he in your top five, dead or alive? Top five. Andre. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Okay. Top five. Yeah. Top five. Yes. Top five. Dead or alive? Yeah, I mean, dead or, dead or alive? Dead or alive? Dead or I alive. Mean, not, I mean, there's not there's not that many dead cats in my in my dead in my top five. Yeah, me either. I mean, there's not many dead cats in my top five. I mean, Tupac's on my top five. Wow, I think that's I'm fair. Saying, I mean, I have a hard time putting, I have a hard time putting Biggie in mine. Mm. I mean, Biggie's not my that's not my top. I mean, there there are some cats just, just off the discography. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I did listen to CLB. I, I did listen to CLB because I, just out of spite, in a sense. And curiosity, but, sure. And curiosity, because I had to wonder, you know, ten years down, you have a kid now, you know, what, what, you know, what's good with where you at now? And it's clear that you know, Drake is one of the most industrialized niggas I've ever seen. Like he mm-hmm. found a form. He found man, man. Found they, when they, when, 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 yo, when they worked out the equation on the board, they were like, okay, we're done. Copy and paste. Copy and paste. I mean, I don't know how many strippers you got to save in your even in your mid thirties, but apparently you still got to save strippers in your mid thirties. The whole album sounds and keep pining after women that clearly don't want anything else to do with you because you're a single dad going after them, you know. So, and then production. I mean, there was some lazy. I mean, I put I, I, there was one true banger on the entire record. One was that I'm too sexy. Cause I was, <laughs> that's the only joke getting any play right now, anyway. But <laughs> now nah, the joint did with Wayne and Ross. Uh, you only live twice. That joint was. I had to give it to Wayne. He 
Whew, don't give any. Don't give anything to Wayne. Man. Ooh, I don't fuck with him that tough, but I had to give it that verse. He he, he demolished that shit. He's he's, he's for this crazy. AZ album, man. I hope this AZ yeah, album but that was just, overall to, to clean up no, to clean up the stench from these no, last two shows. No, no last overall, overall, last three. But, King Disease two was in there too. By the way, go ahead. Overall, it's an, it's a, it's a, it's a lazy, uninspired effort. About the same thing. He, Drake has peaked. Drake peaked on views. And after that, after that, there was nothing else to say. There was nothing else to do. But I want to move. I want to close the damn show out. But I want L to tell me why he did not like King. You didn't like that Nas joint. I didn't really? like King Disease Two, is what I said. No, I thought it was, uh, it was okay. It doesn't have a whole lot of re-listening for me. It was a couple tracks on it that I'll go back to. Uh, I like him and Old Boy doing music together, but. It was just, it didn't flow the same way the first one did. And I thought the first one had some skips also. But this one, mm. outside, and, and him putting Eminem on that EPMD track was some of the most disrespectful shit that I've ever seen before in my life. See, see like, that, the, the thing about these last two albums when I when became clear is while the beats are getting better, he has a weakness when it comes to these features. Yes. His ear, his ear for features is completely tone deaf. I'm like, do you know how many brilliant young cats are out here that, are, that that can fuck with you on the mic, man? Yeah, you getting the you getting these these infants around you. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like these, these. It was good these, to hear, these, you know, Parrish though, man. I, I love to hear EPMD. Yeah, no, that EPMD track is phenomenal. Mm. What's up for me this week is that America. <laughs> America's number one black white supremacist had uh, Larry Elders on her show. And Larry Elders, if you're not aware, is a talk Coon. show <laughs> talk show host <laughs> that was born and bred in Oakland, in Watts, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Born and raised in California, Los Angeles. Bred, all right. <laughs> and he made comments basically about saying that black people aren't ready for reparations because if we're really ready for reparations, excuse me, if we're really ready for the conversation about reparations, then that means we have to also be giving monies to the descendants of slave owners because their property was taken away from them. And that's the reason why we shouldn't be getting reparations because Yo, it's a dangerous no, slope you, you because we got to give money. And he, mind you, he didn't use any... Uh, statistics or um, what do you want to call it? He didn't use any reference to American history. He went to England to talk about how they gave. I was like, you forgot that Lincoln gave slave owners reparations here in the United States. You didn't have to go that far, my guy. So we've already we've already paid out reparations to those people. America doesn't have a problem with paying reparations. There's a problem with who they pay the reparations to. We need to make sure that that's very, very clear. But yeah, and just to any of you people, anybody, anybody that's going to vote for fucking Larry Elders for governor of California needs to go in the fucking trash fucking right along with his, with his goofy ass. So they voted for fucking Schwarzenegger. Oh, go to France with that bullshit. Crush, where can people find you if they want to find you, man? They can find me with my hashtag fuck France shirt on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> at, the orange, at the orange crush with a K. SP methods where I'll continue to say fuck friends. No bullshit. No bullshit. L, where can people find you, man? At LG Bailey on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 
and you're actually allowing people in your DMs now. You, I want to make sure we have it on on record. You did say prior that if people they have always them. been allowed in my DMs, just don't come with no stupid shit in my DMs. <laughs> I think oh, in the black himself. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at mr underscore in the black. And I want to thank you guys for joining us for another incredible episode of the In the Black podcast. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you chose to kick it with us, and we appreciate it. Make sure you follow us across social media at In the Black EDCST on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Go over and become a member of the family uh, by joining us at our Patreon. You won't forget it. You won't regret it. And but as always, until next time, informed, intelligent, in the black. In the black. In the black, man. Queen of Spades in my brain. In the black, bro. Hands down, one of the best podcasts I ever heard, though. Word. Bretrix, what up? I am Brett, I block up here, Bretrix. Listen. In the black podcast, that your lad is all facts. You don't like that, then fall back. In the black podcast, don't talk trash. Yeah. switch fast if you ain't raw, then yeah. you're whack. Informed, intelligent elements, always relevant. Not for the weak and delicate. This is eloquent excellence. We are setting the precedence. Rest of them are excrement. In the black podcast, the truth like the testament. Don't know, black up he, bro. Man, a specialist. Know what the podcast broadcast. Y'all mess with this. Like, said they my cheat. Who no do it so effortless? I listen to my learn when them listen to my benefit reporting current events everything that is prevalent this is so exquisite a scientific experiment giving you the news not fused without evidence telling you the truth sentiments without embellishments relax these are the facts bringing them to your residence in your house or your tenement listen to hear intelligence body filled with melanin power that's so unsettling bright in the stars bringing some light back to the desolate yeah. In the black podcast, and your lad is all facts. You don't like that, then fall back. In the black podcast, the panther, pull up and watch. Black up in your chat, me can't flop. In the black podcast, and your lad is all facts. You don't like that, then fall back. In the black podcast, we outlast. The whole of them can, none of them no contrast. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's how we are doing it, big old. Yeah. Mr. In the black himself. What up, DJ Henry? It's your boy, Blackpink. I'm out. No.